SpaceX, and the rise of Elon Musk. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Lance Ulanoff, tech journalist and commentator and editor-in-chief at LifeWire.com. Welcome, Lance. Thanks for having me. So give us a brief summary of your journey through the technology industry and tech journalism. Oh, gosh, it's, it's a long one. Starts in 1991 with PC Mag for a while there, Windows Mag, Home PC Mag, Deja, uh, back to, to Ziff Davis and PC Mag, uh, where I became editor in chief. Then I was uh, editor in chief at Mashable and then their chief correspondent and uh, wrote for a time for Medium. Had a, a, a one, uh, it was called One Zero column. It was called The Upgrade. And now I'm editor in chief of LifeWire.com. And we are producing a new newsletter called Untangled. Among everything else that you're interested in, you have a particular interest in outer space, especially as it relates to Elon Musk and SpaceX. What brought you to that? You know, uh, Elon Musk is such a maverick. Um, I had the, the privilege of meeting him back in 2012, just as everything was on the cusp of really breaking out. He had the role working on the Model S. He was very close to getting the first Dragon uh, ship to the International Space Station. All of these things were coming together. We had a great chat and I was, I was like, this guy is so busy. I don't even know how he's doing it all. And he was clearly a genius, but also cool and interesting. And he was doing all this stuff, working in all the areas that I really care about. I mean, he was working in self-driving cars and electric cars, and he was working in space. And, he, and it wasn't just talk. He was executing on these ideas. And I was, I was so captivated by what he's doing. And I've really never stopped being. I mean, I've, I've met him a few other times. I've been to his events. I've driven his cars. Uh, I've seen his ships. And, and I'm... I just, you know, he's really, he's such a dynamic personality who's not just a personality. He's a person who's changing the world with his products, even if it's not always SpaceX doing it and Tesla doing it. You see how he's driving uh, NASA and Boeing and others to make, you know, to, to really accelerate their space plans and how really he's changed the automotive industry. I don't care what anyone says. All of these companies would not be making these electric cars if it wasn't for the explosive success, in particular, of the Model 3. So, so let's talk about that. He is clearly a maverick. But what is it about Elon Musk's approach to getting into space, for, for example, that allowed him to be faster and less costly than, as you mentioned, some of the legacy aerospace companies and, and the efforts of many governments even? You, know, you kind of felt like NASA, and I love NASA. I love the work that they do, but they were always starting from where they had left off. So, you know, each program, Gemini, Apollo, each one, space shuttle, and then from that point, figuring out what's next. Next, uh, Elon Musk with space, and I think with, uh, with uh, self-driving and electric cars, started from scratch. He said, what if we didn't go based on these things? You know, he's, he's really self-taught in many of these industries. And he started from scratch and built from there, but always was looking for ways. He would make the leap of imagination over and over again and then say, how can we achieve that? I mean, you've never really seen anything quite like that, the way he thinks about things. Um, I mean, you look at the, uh, was it the Starship and how it's built and the covering that's on it, which seems insane. And yet he's starting to figure it out and he's testing things more quickly than NASA has ever tested things, and he's doing it often 
publicly, which sometimes hurts him and often helps him. Uh, he's just doing it in a different way. And I think that to some extent, NASA and its partners are realizing that in order to compete, they have to kind of do it that different way. As you mentioned, he's had to do a lot of things very publicly. In fact, Musk <clears throat> suffered failures with his first rockets. Yeah. What did he learn from that experience? And how do you think that he used that knowledge to move forward? I mean, he did what, well, he did what NASA and others do, you know, went deeply into what caused this. I mean, thank goodness his failures have not been related to anyone dying. They've no bit, you know, it's not about that he's tested, you know, he's still, keep in mind, the Crew Dragon, right, the manned version of the Dragon spaceship has not gone into space with a crew, right? We've not done that yet. We're going to do that. So he's always been working with these spaceships uh, without humans inside of them, which I think has been helpful for him. Uh, and he's done what he needed to do to basically figure out, okay, what's interesting too about the way he works is that when he has a failure, it doesn't seem to slow him down. Instead, he does a recalibration. I think about with um, Tesla when he was going to try and have all robots build the Model 3, and it was kind of a disaster. But what he did is he said, all right, very quickly, we're going to bring in more people. Oh, and we're going to build a second sort of factory next to the actual factory, and we're going to do it really fast so we can build these things as we promised to do them. I mean, he kind of did things that you're like, would GM ever do that? You know, would each time you see it and you go, I don't think other companies, other organizations would do these things. Not only are his processes different, he, he also felt like he needed to explore things differently. In fact, how, how important, what kind of weight would you put on the importance of, of proving the ability to reliably land and reuse rockets? Uh, I would say that's that's of utmost importance. You know, it was never even discussed. You know, I remember being young and learning about NASA and learning about how much it cost to make the rocket ships that they were building and learning about how they were basically thrown away. You know, that they were not reusing this stuff. And his plan from the get, you know, we're going to reuse these things and we're, we're going to land them and we're going to reuse them. And I'm like, well, that's nuts. Like, I just, but he was taking modern technology, especially robotics technology, and applying it to this problem uh, and doing something, and not just once, but many times over. And it's often, you know, early days, it fails, it, it doesn't quite land right, it falls over, or he's got that ship that caps, catches uh, rockets and it can't quite it doesn't quite make the and then it finally does catch the rocket like he doesn't give up he knows he's going to get there he knows there are adjustments to be made and he makes the necessary adjustments and ultimately he wins what effect have other private sector competitors like blue origin or even virgin atlantic uh galactic rather had on on elon musk uh, not a, a lot. I think there's, you know, there's a rivalry between Musk and Bezos that's kind of entertaining, but, and, and Bezos has some very big plans. It would look, everybody's looking to move the moon and Mars and, but, and, and, and Bezos has done some stuff. He's, you know, he's launched the rocket up, he's landed it, 
that's great. But he's far behind. He's far behind Elon. And he's also not necessarily going on the same path. You know, we've got people who are kind of really pushing on the space tourism side. Elon has always made uh, SpaceX a business venture. It has clients, it has contracts, it is doing real work, real important work. And the other guys are leaning a little bit more, uh, certainly uh, Virgin Galactic, into let's just take people up into the stratosphere and then they'll come down. They will have had the space experience. You know, Bezos was doing a little bit of that, but now I think he has a larger plan. Uh, but again, uh, I think that Elon just sees them in his rearview mirror. He knows they're there. He doesn't have particular, his concern is satisfying his clients and also the perception of SpaceX as a space leader, which it is. Let's, let's talk about Elon Musk as a person. How have some of his quirks and maybe eccentricities uh, affected maybe his ability to attract investors and customers? I mean, has that been a, a, an obstacle for him at all? Oh, I think so. I think it's been, you know, there's definitely been ups and downs over the last five years. Uh, he's, he's a much more emotional person, I think, than anybody realizes. Um, he can act capriciously. Um, he can act emotionally. He can do things that seem to be almost self-harming, you know, in the social space. Uh, he's definitely gotten better. He has a minder on social media. He doesn't do as much tweeting as he used to. Um, he's being a lot more strategic, but he's been, you know, we saw that Joe Rogan podcast and, you know, what CEO of major companies would ever do what he did. Uh, and so, you know, and that's, I think part of that is his stress. Part of that is just clearly his lack of sleep. Um, I think he maybe tries to manage it a little bit better now. Uh, he's still a relatively young man. So part of it is that, you know, aging into this sort of esteemed CEO role, you know, he's very much a go forward, invent, uh, ingenuity kind of guy and all the rest will fall into place. The problem is he has shareholders and the problem is he has short sellers. And those things have, have definitely bitten him a few times. And he has some real frustrations revolving around that. But I'm the kind of person who says, when I look at Elon, overall, I say don't bet against him. I think he's going to win uh, over and over again because of the way he does approach the real work and leaving everything else aside. And because there is a lot of wacky stuff that has happened, um, you have to look at the results. And you know his ability to bring in and to be profitable with Tesla and his ability to deliver um, on his promises with SpaceX. And he's had some things that are not quite coming through, like um, the solo tiles. Uh, they've really not quite, well, they haven't lit the world on fire because you know they're barely out there. Um, but I know he's not giving up on it. He has an idea that would be his more like his, um, you know, Google's X, you know, their, their X stuff, you know, where they do things that are more bleeding edge. I think that's more bleeding edge for him, but he'll, you know, he will not stop. He will not give up. You know, remember his, his, his work is about changing the world. It's about sustainability. It's about living on other planets. I mean, those are the things he thinks about all the time. Now with vehicles like the Falcon 9 or, you know, maybe even and Crew Dragon, what's next for SpaceX? 
I mean, the starship, you know, this uh, getting, getting, you know, beyond, well, first getting to the moon, but getting the, the ability to have a ship that can, you know, refuel and go further, you know, go to Mars. I mean, he wants to get to Mars. He wants to set up a station there. He wants to figure out how to terraform it. Uh, there's a lot of questions that'll be answered about the doability of these big plans in the next decade. Without a doubt, it's a really important decade for everybody in the space industry. We're finally really looking back. Our eyes have now turned back to the moon and beyond, you know, to fulfill this promise that existed for space travel when I was a child and kind of fell by the wayside. Um, you know, and it's going to get more serious. I mean, there's some messed up stuff happening in climate change right now, and people are starting to think, wow, what, what if we do have to be someplace else? Which is, by the way, not an easy thing. Yeah, it's not like the movies at all. It's like, there's so much we haven't figured out, like how to make sure humans don't collapse on themselves, you know, like in long-term space travel. We don't even know. We have none of those things really worked out. We're still studying. Uh, so it's a lot of questions, but he's going to be, uh, the, the 2020s are going to be very big for Elon Musk. It's a lot of unknown lands, a lot still to come. And thanks for your insight on Elon Musk. If somebody wants to connect with you, what's the best way they can do that? It's always Twitter. It's easiest. Um, Lance Yulinoff on Twitter, and you'll find a way to sign up for my untangled newsletter right there. There you go. Let's Lance Yulinoff, tech journalist and commentator. and editor-in-chief at LifeWire.com. And if you guys want to find more of my interviews, you can do that right here or go to TanyaHall.net. Thanks for watching.